As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Conversations with Daniel Noor. Tackling the tough questions on cradio.org.au. Hello, Cradio listeners. My name is Daniel Noor, and when I entered the Catholic Church on September the 21st, 2013, I brought all my confusion, anxiety, and uncertainty right in with me. As a young journalist searching for the truth, every week I'll be interviewing an expert on a hot topic and trying to get straight answers on the moral, political, and social issues of the day. I invite you to join me and to have your questions about today's tough topics answered as well. This is Conversations with Daniel Noor. Slavery is a challenge that some people seem to have relegated to the past, a kind of social ill or blight that no longer affects the citizens of the modern civilised world. But my conversation with John McCarthy, who has been appointed by Archbishop Anthony Fisher by the Archdiocese of Sydney to lead an anti-slavery task force to tackle the issue in the world as it appears today, dispels that myth. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Happy to speak about this. John, you uh, quite impressively were the uh, ambassador to the Holy See. Um, could Just as we kick the interview off, could you tell me a little bit about how your connection uh, with the Vatican and your experience of that kind of diplomatic life has equipped you, you feel, to kind of uh, take, a, take a lead on this issue of, of slavery in the modern world? My instructions as Australian ambassador to the Holy See included engagement uh, with the Curia uh, and with the Holy Father in respect of human freedom and religious liberty. As well, uh, I was in Rome at the time that uh, Pope Francis was, was elected Pope. Uh, one of his priority issues, highest priority issues, was the eradication of modern slavery and human trafficking in our world. He didn't come to this cold, he came to this from a hub of human trafficking in Buenos Aires in, in Argentina. I was involved with discussions and conferences and consultations with many of his advisors on these issues, but principally with Bishop Marcello Sanchez Sorondo, the Chancellor of the Papal Academies, and uh, I attended many conferences uh, that he organised on these issues there. I also came to know and was inspired uh, by the activities and outlook of Sister Eugenia Benetti, uh, who is one of the great souls of the Church and one of the great personalities in the European Church, who has dedicated her life to freeing women and girls uh, who have been the subject of this uh, uh, terrible scourge. Mm. And it would seem to me, just from your kind of um, assessment, very simply, of, of slavery today, that this is an ongoing scourge. Can you tell me, uh, is this something maybe that has only become apparent now in the public consciousness, or was it neglected for some time? Why has slavery now come back in, if you like, to the vision of, of uh, social justice? Broadly speaking, when we talk about this, the phenomenon we're talking about under slavery is forced labour, 
uh, is uh, working under slave-like conditions is the depri deprivation of freedom, uh, of movement, uh, of restriction of uh, a person's uh, ability to go and do what they want uh, in a context where uh, a person in those conditions is being exploited. So it can be forced labour, it can be child labour, it can be child marriage, uh, and it can be uh, uh, or forced marriage, uh, and it can involve uh, a situation in a modern city uh, of uh, uh, forced labour in, in a restaurant uh, or in a uh, even in a, in diplomatic context, mm. as was said in a recent Australian television program. Mm. In the world as a whole. Tools of analysis and methodology of statistics has shown that there, this is a larger and deeper problem and a more intractable problem than uh, might have been thought about 20 years ago. There is a consensus that in the world at the present time, there is, as of 2016, approximately 40 million uh, men, women and children who live in uh, slave or slave-like conditions mm. in the world. Uh, of those, uh, if you count that through, that's about 5.4 people for every thousand uh, that are in the world. 71% of those are women or, uh, or, or girls. Mm. Uh, 50 percent of those are those that live in debt bondage, that is that they've, uh, they've been put into slave-like conditions because usually their families at an earlier time, an earlier generation, had incurred debt uh, and had not, been able to be had not been able to repay it. Altogether, 25 percent of the 40 million are children. And uh, it is a problem uh, of varying depth and size, but in both uh, modern first world Western economies and in rife in, the, in whole areas of the third world. Mm. What are some of the precipitating factors? Are governments, you know, being negligent, or are we somehow precipitating, or if you like, uh, perpetuating this cycle through our purchases or through the food that we buy? Well, <clears throat> it is not easy in terms of breaking it down, but there are a number of key elements in respect of this. Uh, a large part of this is tied up with sexual exploitation. Uh, it's estimated that um, uh, human trafficking tied up with sexual exploitation has a value currently of about $90 billion a year. Uh, it would seem that the present level of prostitution in the world can't be maintained. Sex tourism, you know. That's right, just sex uh, in, in various parts. Can't be maintained without human trafficking. Right. And uh, this is the biggest area in which uh, women and girls uh, are, being, uh, are being exploited. Other areas include... Uh, in third world countries, areas where there are mining and um, agricultural brick making, where forced labour and bond labour uh, is being used. 
We have a situation worldwide that affects those of us in first world countries that can be summarised this way. A part of our standard of living, a significant section, I'm talking about percentage points of our standard of living, floats on cheap labour, cheap goods and cheap sex. And in that way, all of us in Western economies can end up being complicit Mm. about these things. And that's not just individuals, that can be families, that can be institutions like corporations, that can be great groupings like, like the church, or it can be the state, the government itself. And the bigger the groupings, of course, we then turn into what is called supply lines and supply chains, because uh, governments, uh, archdioceses have... Uh, huge collective efforts like the Catholic school system yes. that buys uh, uh, large supplies of goods and services. And what the Archbishop here became concerned about is that he did not want for the future, for the Archbishop or for the Archdiocese to be associated with goods and services that are tainted with slavery or or with forced labour practices. And he wanted and has directed that there be a system of procurement of goods and services whereby the suppliers present a situation where uh, his purchases, his, his people who are buying for the archdiocese, can see where goods are coming from or what the services are that are being uh, that are being undertaken at their source, mm. not just virtue signalling, but at their source, and he wants it so that they are free of forced labour and slavery type conditions. Is there an education component for citizens, Enormous. consumers? We recently had Saint Peter's Day in Sydney. Saint Peter is uh, a Sudanese from Africa, uh, lived in the late 19th uh, century, first half of the 20th century, who was a slave, was sold into slavery and spent her first years as a slave, but eventually was bought out of this and became a nun in Italy and uh, uh, a uh, very prominent uh, uh, religious uh, and has subsequently been canonised and is the patron saint of slavery victims. And her feast day is 8th of February. It's the Catholic observance day for the anti-slavery cause. On that day, in the Archdiocese of Sydney, at the direction of Archbishop Fisher, all schools commemorated St. Paquita and the anti-slavery cause. Students in Catholic schools from K-12 to received a, a holy card with a a picture of St. Paquita on it and a prayer against slavery on the back. They were also given to take home to their parents after uh, religious services, calling on everyone to to pray for freedom in the world. Uh, They were given uh, a magnet that can be put on the fridge, given to their mothers to put on the fridge 
with some simple steps as to how you can help the anti-slavery cause. Mm. And and these are choices, I think, probably that parents, uh, citizens can be better informed about. And perhaps you can tell us about that. I mean, are there things that we're doing wrong? Should we be researching the supply chains? Should should we be careful of certain franchises? I mean, what, what do we need yes. to be doing better? Uh, what you should have as a fundamental orientation is that purchasing goods is not just a commercial, it's a moral decision. And that that moral decision should not be one that contributes to the misery and oppression of other people. Now, starting from that, you would say, well, I want to be in a position where what I buy does not do that. How can I bring that about? You'll hear things about uh, various categories of uh, goods that are categorised as fair trade or good trade or so on. I think one should be looking out for that. You should also have in mind that many times when you see things like T-shirts at $5 or whatever have you, to stop and think, how, what's going on here? I mean, it may well be it's a bankruptcy sale or whatever have you, (laughs) but um, it might also be that these have been imported from various areas and the people who made those got next to nothing and they're able to undercut them. Mm. Or perhaps nothing. Or nothing. nothing. And this is going on across the board. Now, people say, but if you do that, all those poor people will never have a job. They'll never be able to work. It's true. What the object of the exercise is, is to see that those people are properly paid. Mm. That's what ending forced labour and slave-like conditions is all about in this area. Compensation. No, no, to see that they have proper wages and Mm. salary. That's ending those conditions. That's what the the Archdiocese of Sydney wants to see in relation to its own goods. It is telling its parishes how this can be done as a matter of guidelines. It's going to the schools to do uh, to do similarly, and they're passing it on to families and individuals. Are, Are they also advocating government? I mean, apart from managing their more own than, house, more, as than, it more than advocating this to government, the church has been at the forefront of insisting that public procurement, that is what is bought for the public sector, should be so also slavery proof. That the public sector should be taking positive steps to, as the church is doing, to ensure that what goods it it purchases with taxpayer money is not being used to purchase goods that are tainted with slavery or with forced labour. And this is happening. The church has put this position at both state and federal level in Australia and is one of the foremost advocates of this. And indeed, in the Archbishop, we have a position where... What is being said to the government is that the standard that should be adopted in terms of procurement for public goods and services should be the equivalent 
of what the church has adopted for its own goods and services. That is, that they want to see that there is due diligence. There is due diligence in the contractual relationships so that the state or the church can know that the goods that they and services they are purchasing are free of forced labour and, uh, and, and slavery. And have you found that the media have been cognizant or, if you like, supportive of this challenge? Because, John, as to my mind, and as a young Catholic living in a relative, quite a, secu- a secular society, living in a secular society, I have noticed that human rights issues and something like slavery, and this may just be a suspicion, somehow don't have the currency that something, for example, like a minority rights issue seems to have. For example, gay and lesbians um, in the developing world or escaping uh, conflict zones or very conservative religious societies. Uh, uh, the um, black rights movement in America, the idea of animal cruelty. There's a kind of currency in other hot topics, as it were, that I dare say slavery, maybe because it's so large, might not have. So is there, um, a, a, are you in any way concerned or would you like to see this picked up by mainstream media in a, in a more effective way? Yes, I would. I think if you look back from five years into the future, you might not quite be as pessimistic as you are at the moment. Most people, I think it's fair to say, and indeed in my experience, in Western countries, our sort of societies are anti-slavery. They don't like slavery and they don't want to be associated with slavery. Many, however, and this is the opposite of anti-slavery, it's not pro-slavery, it is a feeling of disempowerment, of not being able to do apathy, of not being able to do anything about it. Powerlessness. Now, more and more is becoming known about what we can do about forced labour and human trafficking and slavery. And as a result, we are having a situation where there is an increasing amount of coverage of these particular issues. It varies over time and it varies as to to what the issues were. Once they were concentrated in terms of human trafficking just on prostitution and brothels, Mm. it, it is a much wider picture, a much wider picture now including supply chains, including uh, country properties, including uh, forced labour in Australia and forced labour overseas in terms of goods that we import. Two big issues have emerged that will have, uh, that are being picked up in the media that become more, uh, will become more relevant. One, within Australia itself, in in church institutions and wider, but in church institutions, that's education, our health institutions, welfare, there is grave concern about cleaning contracts and what's been happening with cleaners here in Australia and a grave dissatisfaction at church level that people are being mistreated in in many respects. Secondly, we are a great uniforms country. We have uniform. All our schools are in uniforms. It's a serious question about where these uniforms are coming from and what they're made of. 
there are investigations that have appeared in the press about uh, whether these uniforms or many uniforms used in Australian schools, Catholic schools, are made from slave cotton. Made from slave cotton or made in sweat and forced labour conditions in other countries. Now, the church, good people, don't want to take work away from people, but they don't want those people exploited. And uh, there is a growing way in which there can be investigation of, of what is happening, and the media is becoming more and more interested in it. Mm. Well, I mean, where their attention is, the the public follows, and I think that's important. Um, John, thank you for bringing home so clearly the fact that this is an issue driven by choice, by daily choices, and about which we have some control and power. And um, as I draw to a close now, is there anything else that you feel that we can do or that we should say, perhaps, to our politicians and our leaders uh, that might be helpful on this count? There is, that it should be a part of everyone's activity as adults that they ask their federal and state governments what's happening with the laws in relation to uh, slavery, of what's happening in terms of supply chains with the government and governing areas. For instance, one would think that every university student could ask their own university whether they have an anti-slavery policy in their procurement regime. Every university should be asked that. Uh, Federal and state governments should be asked that. Churches should be asked that. Corporations. Most of our people work in the private sector. They don't work for governments. But in the terms of the private sector, every one should look round as to what his company's policy is mm. about this. And if there is no policy, why isn't there a policy mm. about where they buy goods and what the procurement is on those things? Thirdly, you're purchasing goods all the time. Keep in mind it's a moral decision. Keep in mind that something that might be cheap and seem cheap to you may come with a whole history of misery behind it. Well, John McCarthy, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today about this um, this enormous and ongoing challenge. Uh, I thank you, our listeners, as well, for listening to Conversations with Daniel Noor. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to Conversations by searching iTunes for Cradio or Conversations with Daniel Noor. You can also share it with a friend who might be interested in the issue of modern slavery. Also, do us a favour and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That will help us get the good word out there because it will boost the visibility of our program. Once again, John, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure.